a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. I'm here with one of my regular co-hosts, Liz Farrell, and uh, we're talking about Rogue One today. That's right. Here we are. How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? Can't complain. Glad to hear it. So, um, Rogue One is the uh, first released of these uh, Star Wars story films, which are, you know, the not Skywalker saga, but other ancillary parts of the Star Wars world. It's it's really a... um, like an extension of novels, books, video games, stuff that's been happening for a long time, but it's the first movie of this sort. So before it came out, were you excited for it? Were you skeptical of it? Did you say, why do we need to know this story? Like, what was your going into it? What were your opinions? I was excited about it. I feel mm-hmm. like there are lots of things about Star Wars I'd like to know about. So it's sure. a story I would like to hear, even if it's a you know movie based on a plot hole. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I was excited. I wasn't sure what to expect. I feel like at the time there was a lot of speculation just about how even the movie would be done. I rewatched it, obviously, last night. Mm-hmm. It does start off with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but there's right. no, no crawl. music, no crawl, yeah. all of that. So I know there was a lot of speculation and talk about that beforehand. Mm-hmm. But overall, I was excited because it was sort of something different in terms of the Star Wars movies, not, you know, the trilogy, a standalone. Right. Yeah. No, I, I kind of agree. I think it's um, one of the things that I think is important for Star Wars as a sort of multimedia property, if it wants to continue past the Skywalker saga, is it has to become it has to become something more than just one type of movie. Like, for instance, I I, th- I think uh, if you had asked us like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, what's a superhero movie like, we'd have one answer. But now there are so many, like there are horror movies that have superheroes. There are comedies of superheroes. And so I think Star Wars kind of has to do something similar. So this is like a war espionage Star Wars movie. So I think that's cool if they want to keep making Star Wars into more and more things. You have to you have to give opportunities to do that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, when did you see it? For the first time when it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't remember exactly. It was mm-hmm. around opening time. Yeah. I think I saw it three times in the theater. Okay. Because sometimes I'm a crazy person. Or also I have different friends that would like to go see it. Yes. And generally I'm always willing to go to the movies. As am I. Star Wars movie. Something we have in common. I, I, I will go see any movie you want to see at any time pretty much because I just like the movies. Yeah, it's me dark, too. It's dark. There's popcorn. Yeah. There's lots of like. It's you know? a great experience. It's Absolutely. a large screen. Yep. And I feel like sometimes too I need to see a movie at least two times to really formulate an opinion about it the first time are all initial reactions and then i need at least a second time to see what i really think yeah and uh i actually think that the second viewing of rogue one was very important for me so i like you i saw saw opening night i made the mistake i have a friend who uh, at the time was working nights and so he and i have seen every star wars movie in theaters together we saw all of the re-releases in the 90s saw all the prequels together and so he was getting off work at like 11 so we went to a midnight screening. I had worked all day. I was tired. <laughs> and I think that somewhat colored my first viewing of it. Uh, I also, strange story, I love Sour Patch Kids. Mm. I was eating some Sour Patch Kids. And I started to have what I felt was an allergic reaction to them. Like my throat started to swell up a little bit. So like I, I'm like, all right, I, I don't want to like leave the movie. So I went to the bathroom and I like was just pouring water in my, just trying to get like, ah. like trying to drink, just trying to like yeah. flush my throat out. So I missed like the initial Vader scene. Mm. I was in the bathroom trying to not die. And so, anyway. <laughs> Little Sour Patch Kid force choke situation yes, exactly. going on there. Hey, I see what you did That's there. right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, I think my first viewing of it was not ideal for those reasons. But I saw it again like a week later, and I liked it much, much better the second time. Um, but actually, that brings up something that a friend of mine said, and when I thought about it, I was like, oh, you are 100% right. His biggest problem with the movie was he felt like there are seven or eight brand new characters that are the main characters of the movie. And except for Jin, Galen, and Krennic, their names are not said more than like once in the beginning of the movie. And so afterwards, when we were talking about the movie, I was like, so the guy, you know, the, the skinny guy with the mustache, you're like, 
you just you have to describe people because I don't know their names. Yeah, or I just call them by their actor name. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I was thinking that last night, even as I was just jotting down a few notes. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't even know this character's name. I usually call them maybe by the actor's right. name. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's and a I good think, point. I think that that's it's a hard thing to introduce. Like that's why the crawl is so helpful in Star Wars, because it does lay out certain things for you. But I don't know if they just didn't have the time to do it. Yeah, I don't know. And I know there was that whole reshoot controversy. Right, I don't yeah. know if that maybe cut some of them out. Right. Something maybe they tried to remedy but just made drag the movie down. I right. don't know. Yeah. Like Cassian's name gets mentioned a little bit by K2SO because he's able to act as information bot for the audience <laughs> a little bit. But like Baze and Churret, if you don't oh, know their man. names are Baze and Churret, you're – Churritz is his name once in the beginning, and then he refers to Baze. He says, like, Baze was once the something or something, and that's pretty much it. You don't know their names the rest of the time. Yeah, like, I don't know their names at all. I wrote them down because yeah. I had to look them up. I'm like, yeah. oh, Donnie Yen, that guy, yeah. you know, his character. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wonder if that was intentional in any way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to show, like, the the lack of connection there like these are these are disparate people brought together for one thing but it just i don't know yeah and maybe you know if we get this idea of when you're in battle and you're joining forces maybe you just don't know everyone's name and it's you know it's pretty terrible it's not super personal right Hmm. yeah i don't know i don't know if that was a, a, a a active decision they made yeah or not so last time we were together we talked about uh the catalyst novel which is the prequel to rogue one we did and um, we were not all that kind about it. Um, although I must say, rewatching the first five minutes or so again, you do get a little bit more of a sense of the story. But I don't know if that's worth the. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth reading the novel to get that extra eight percent understanding. I felt the same way, and as I was watching Rogue One, I felt like it was such a missed opportunity with Catalyst. There was a lot yeah. there that could have been done, sure, but wasn't. Yeah, the one thing I did notice both in the novel and in the film is that Krennic just refers to Jin as the child. He like can't be bothered to even know if she's male or female. He's just like they have a child, find it. You know, that's you, you it gives you a little bit more into just what an ass he is. But again, I don't think you need that. Yeah, it's not completely necessary. No. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um okay, so you know the movie begins with uh the flashback sequence, Galen is taken and then I believe they say it's 15 years later. I think so. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Timelines I, are always fuzzy in Star I, Wars. They are. It, they make it seem as if it's not super important, even the exact right, the yeah. exact date, the exact time. Right. Because Jin says she hadn't seen her father in 15 years, so you presume that's, you know, when it was taken. But then she says something like, you know, she hasn't seen uh, Saw Gerrera in a long time, she says. But then she says that she was 16. Six, yeah. But... So how long ago was a long time? Like it's just yeah, it's hard to to square that circle a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, and we don't get too much of an idea of what she's been doing since right. getting in trouble, yeah. doing illegal things. But there's right. not much sense of what she's been doing since then. Right. Uh, yeah. Basically, she's been trained to be a fighter, but yeah, how has she used that? Yeah. So what do you think about Jin? I like Jin. Um, I like her as a character. In the beginning, she's obviously you know jaded. <laughs> Um, she doesn't have much direction in life, it seems. And the events of Rogue One give her some sort of purpose. I'm not sure she was looking for a purpose. Right. But it did. Yeah. Um, it reunited her with her old mentors, I guess, whether it was her father or Saw. Mm-hmm. She sees them again, and they do both die. Yeah. I, Jin kind of... I. I know I talk about this a lot, does follow that hero's journey. She yeah, loses, yeah. you know, her mentors. Mm-hmm. She gets this sort of catalyst to lead her mm-hmm. into this unknown world where she does find herself and yeah. finds a purpose, mm-hmm. which I do like. Yeah, I, I think that the, the film does a good job of making Jin both jaded but not not a jerk. Like, you know, sometimes the jaded characters uh-huh. comes off as just unlikable. And in the first couple of scenes, you see that she doesn't want to be a part of this rebellion. She doesn't want to uh, be bothered with any of this. But once she's sort of inscripted to the cause, you see that this stuff does matter to her. 
It does, yeah. And, you know, ultimately she's a good person. And we uh-huh. get sort of all these just scrappy individuals joining together, and mm-hmm. she's just like them. Yeah. Um, you know, to fight the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> you get the impression that she's done some bad shit in her life. Mm-hmm. They don't really go into what that is, but you get the impression that that's a big part of her past. That whether it's freedom fighting with Saw Gerrera or just you know what she needed to do to survive as essentially an orphaned child uh you get the impression that she's lived a bit of a life and there are a couple of um young adult novels that sort of go into her in between being taken by saw and where we see her in rogue one i have not read any of those yet but i wonder how much story is really there yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll pick it up at some point. Yeah. We'll see. It's yeah, a possibility. I mean, they're doing the Cassian Andor <laughs> they are. show, yeah. so you know, so we'll see about that. Yeah. I, I do like I feel like frequently in Star Wars we get female characters that are princesses, which yes. I think, you know, I enjoy, but it's almost fantasy in some way. Most of us are not princesses. <laughs> uh, but Jin is just a regular person. Right. I found myself thinking of I, this seems maybe kind of random, just female hairstyles in Star Wars. Leia, Leia's mother, Mm -hmm. had very complex, fancy hairdos. Um, Even Rey has her own little sort of three bun situation. But Jin, just a sloppy bun like the rest of us. (laughs) It's it's very utilitarian. (laughs) It is, just trying to get through the day. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I, I wanted to talk about the rebellion as sort of a concept here. So when we see the rebellion in... Uh, a new hope they seem to be a very organized very um like they almost seem like their own city state to begin with like they have ships and they have uh, a base and they have leadership that is clearly defined and this film doesn't take that away but it shows you how chaotic everything was ahead of time and i think the cassian in particular shows you that just because they're rebels doesn't mean they're good guys. Like they do some some shady stuff throughout this movie. Yeah, even when you know his main goal was to kill Jin's father. Right. Yeah, and there's sort of you know I, when is murder justified? Right. You know, it, there's a good and a bad to each side. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that this film gives you a much better sense of what I think. It really feels like, and I'm talking out of my ass here. I've never been in a rebellion of any kind. Well, me either. I, I am not a freedom fighter of any sort. You know, but like, I, I think that when there's a monolithic enemy, there's not one reason you hate them. There's not one tactic to take them down. I mean, if, if you want to get this into politics, like you can see like when Obama or Trump was president, it wasn't like all the opposing party had the same problems with those people. You know, so there there are, you see the rebels have these like different, there are the more militaristic ones, there are the more peaceful ones. I think that's an interesting, I would like to see more in a way about that. And the, the show, Star Wars Rebels, shockingly, deals with a lot of sort of the rebellion stuff. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, because even Jin gives that rousing speech, which seems atypical, perhaps, of her personality, where right. she's focusing on the idea of hope, which you know is an idea she really shirked in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and not everyone agrees, so the rebels don't go through with the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not everyone agrees, and even saw you know his brand of rebellion seems almost maybe a little more cruel. I yeah. The name of that creature he uses. Uh, I forgot to the name of it memories. too. I wrote yeah. it down somewhere, yeah. but yeah. yeah, you know there are different levels and. Where are you willing to go as an individual mm-hmm. um, when it comes to rebellion? What are you willing to do? Yeah, and I think that it's interesting sort of how the, the gang comes together for this mission. So Cassian is on a mission, and he is there to kill Galen, and Jin is his ticket in to do that. Um, K2SO was there because he's a droid owned by, K- by Cassian, <laughs> so we don't really have too much to talk about him. Although I do want to talk about K2SO. I do, I do like him. Later. Yes, yeah. One of the best droids in yes. Star Wars. Um, but, you know, uh, Baze and Turret are, they're really just there because they got pulled in at the wrong moment. Like, they don't, I guess their home is destroyed, and so they don't like the Empire, so what else are you going to do? But they really don't have any agency in this decision-making. They're just... They're just, they're there, they're kidnapped by Saw, and then they're just part of the group. 
Yeah, that seems accurate. Right? I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, I didn't really even think about it that way. But yeah, you're right. I don't know if we get some sort of idea of the force there and they wanted to include it and that was sure. the impetus to include them. But yeah. yeah, they don't really, you're right, have too much agency in terms of what they're doing. Right, yeah. They're, they're just, just there. They're just there. And they're they're willing participants. They are. You know, but... Yeah. but <laughs> But I guess I would be too if I was just like kidnapped and then my la- my home was destroyed and I was on a spaceship going someplace. I guess I'm. Guess I'm, I'm go- part of this. I guess now. I'm part of this now. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, I want to talk about the Force a little bit. Um, so this is the first time. This is the first Star Wars movie without a Force user. Now Churrit does. Does he channel the Force? I, that's like, a, something I did want to talk about. Yeah, I am yeah. unsure of how the Force works with him. He talks about it a lot. He's obviously right. blind, but right. he can see in some way. Right, yeah. Yeah. I, I Is he know. just hyper aware of the Force? Yes. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to... Force sensitive. Yeah, force sensitive is the old term. Yeah, yeah arching. Uh, yeah, but I'm trying to... I was trying to relay it to like another religion, like... So if Jedi are like clergy, where they can wheel, that doesn't really make sense. But like, is he just a follower and like a devote follower? Is he just a zealot for his religion? I always think of him in well, always. I think of him in terms of a monk for some reason. Yeah, I don't yeah, know sure. where that falls in the hierarchy right, of yeah. religion. <laughs> right, yeah. But you know, those were the guys who. I don't know, hold up, protected things, whether it was kyber crystals, right, yeah, yeah. copied down copies right. of the Bible. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's sort of maybe the connection I would yeah. make in some way. Because, uh, you know, some of me wonders how much of his, like, maybe it's just the natural skeptic, I mean, like, how much of his reliance on the Force is legitimate versus bullshit. Like, you know, he does some pretty impressive things, and I mean, he knows that Jin is wearing a necklace from far away and all those things, you know, there is some of that there, but I wonder how much of that is his bluster versus what he's actually able to like feel and do. I don't know. Yeah, and confidence will take you far in life, and yes. maybe that's <laughs> part of it too. And yeah. you know, maybe the powers that be that made the movie didn't want to totally exclude the force right. from the movie, sure. which is why his role is sort of non-defined right. in terms of that. Whereas Solo has no force whatsoever. Yeah, I remember we talked about that when you were ranking the movies. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, zero. Yeah. Zero so force. That's an interesting uh, difference between the two, I yeah. guess. Um, I do I do like the two characters. Yes. In particular, um, sure, it's Donnie Yen, right? Is that... The one with the bow staff? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel like he's sort of... I, he lightens up the movie in yes. some way. It's very heavy. It is. Uh, we get K2 who also lightens it up. Yes. But, uh, you know, when I see him on screen, I feel like it's almost a reprieve. It's a release. Yes. It's not just... Well, he's so hopeful. He is. You know. Yeah. Uh, hopeful until the very, very end, end. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's important to show... Like, if, again, if Star Wars is going to be something more than the Skywalkers, you have to show... Like, <laughs> I think we talked about this one at a time, but, like, if there are Jedi around, wouldn't people talk about them all the time? All the time. Like it's like Superman. If there was, if Superman oh. was really in the world, <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a news channel dedicated to just Superman. The Superman right? news. Super it's, news. Exactly. You know? yeah. And so, like, I feel like the Force is something that, yes, in this time, Jedi have been away for twenty-ish years. There's a lot of misinformation about what happened to the Jedi, and so some people think that they betrayed the. Uh, the Senate. Some people know the truth. Like so, I, I guess the Force is not going to be talked about too much. But it seems odd to me that you would go from this world where it's like Force, Force, Force to suddenly no one talking about it. Yeah, I know. It's it's it it's weird. Bizarre. So so, so I, th- I think that giving people who aren't Jedi interactions that deal with the Force is a good thing for Star Wars in general. It gives us more to talk about. And again, I think it comes back to the idea they're all sort of scrappy, almost regular people. Right, He's yeah. not a Jedi. Right. He's sort of this regular guy who has some sort of influence right. through the Force. Yeah. yeah. Now, they call themselves, they're, they're called the Guardians of the Wills. And this is something that um, Cassian says quickly to, um, to Jin as they're walking through Jeddah City. And the... The original script for Star Wars had Guardians of the Wills, and it was like an old George Lucas idea that never really got developed. And so 
from what I gather, and uh, I don't know how much of this is is accurate because I think a lot of it is still conjecture. But the wills were like there are there are books of the wills where it's like almost like scripture, but not quite the Jedi texts that Ray has, but more of like what the followers of the Force would have read, which again is something we haven't really encountered before. We haven't encountered the Force as a religion really until this film. So I guess that stuff's interesting. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. And it hasn't really been developed that much, and I'm not sure how possible it is in a big action movie. Right, To yes. develop that, it might be... Better it's, in a book or something, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, an offshoot TV show yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but I feel like it's something definitely worth exploring. Yeah. I, I, I often wonder how much of this... Like Lucas even thought about like you know I've written a very very small amount of fiction but like I don't think about every single decision or every word you put down on paper like some of it's just there because it's it's just it's yeah. set dressing or you just sort of write ideas down jot them down quickly mm-hmm. never develop them yeah. Yeah, yeah how much of this is that just an idea that was never fully developed yeah. now you can leave it to someone else maybe exactly. to develop it work yeah. on it yeah so alright so we talked about the force a little bit about the rebellion a little bit um mm-hmm. What about um, what I, I want to talk about Cassian specifically for a second at, within the rebellion? So he kind of seems like the, like a fixer for the rebellion. Like he goes and he does stuff that they don't want really tied to them. It does seem you know, like that. Right? Yeah, he's, um, he's just like this. Uh, this kind of he's a step down from an assassin. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that's always his his yeah. job or if. <laughs> He has other shit he does, but you know, he, he kills an informant the first scene that we yeah, meet him. Yeah, he does. He's, he's trying to kill Galen through mm-hmm. much of the movie. Um, do you feel like he was an effective character? Is he a, is he an anti-hero? Like, how would you kind of categorize him? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't hate him as a character. He's not necessarily likable. But I do enjoy him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I don't know if he really serves as a foil to Jin. I'm trying to think how their personalities match up. I'm thinking he just knows more about the Rebellion than she does. He's someone that's experienced, mm-hmm. has been doing this for a long time, and Jin's been on her own. Right. Um, and he kind of joins forces with her, and then they share their own skills. Um, yeah. I actually was thinking about this, and this is going to sound crazy, so I'm prefacing my I'm sure I'll say something crazy soon. Crazy, which is that the rebellion in this film, and Cassian in particular, remind me of a mafia story a lot. Mm. Where, like, he's kind of like this low-level mafioso who is told, like, you know, there's a problem in Brooklyn, go take care of it. <laughs> and then he goes and does it. And the rebellion is like they're working with... They're hiding in plain sight from this organization that doesn't want them there. And, you know, uh, they're looking to sort of it's obviously much more complex than that, but just mm. you know, but he reminds me of just like a low level mafia figure. I like a little it. Bit. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, then I don't know what K2SO is in that. Yeah, I don't know either. He's his uh, <laughs> uh, little lackey. Yeah. But K2SO is a really Ugh. great character. I agree. Um, the funniest droid probably we've had. Yes. I feel like frequently droids are comic relief, but yes. I think he is the funniest. Yeah. I don't know. What's her name from Solo is pretty funny. Oh, but yeah. K, but K2, yeah. I think, is my favorite. Yeah. He's yeah. more perfectly timed. He is. In terms of his uh, one-liners. <laughs> yes. Um, and he is... I think he's probably the best... Maybe the best uh, CG in all of Star Wars. Like, so that 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 was never on set. Like, you know, that's that's totally created from nothing i didn't realize i was watching some extras last night Uh after the movie and they had um was it alan i always forget his last name yeah Yeah. uh walking around in one of those suits which yeah yeah, i didn't realize that like it's it's a pretty it's pretty good yeah i I think just from a uh just from like a a visual standpoint mm -hmm. i think it really works i agree um he's also i mean he's very sarcastic oh love it and, like, you know, I guess there are questions like, why would a droid program be sarcastic? But, you know. Well, you know, you got to. I'll roll with it. I don't sure, care. You yeah. had to get through the day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like his controversy with Jin, how they don't get along at first. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he even at the end when he tries to be more, you know, he says, I'll be there, Jin. 
Cassian told yeah. me I have <laughs> yeah, to. I have like, to. Oh, oh it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, <laughs> he sacrifices himself too. He, he dies does. too. Yeah, yes. just like everyone else. Yeah, which is something we'll talk about towards the end okay. of the discussion, uh, sort of how how the film ends. But yeah, I, I think that that K two is one of the more um, black and white characters in the film. Like you know, because he is a droid, he he is programmed to do pretty much what what Cassian wants him to do, even though he's not really all that obedient to him. Um, yeah, I always have a soft spot for the anthropomorphized figures with right. a movie, whether it's an actual animal. I'm like, I hope the animal doesn't die. If it's right, a droid, course, yes. I'm like, I hope the droid doesn't die. And right. I don't know what it is, but I always feel that sort of connection with these characters. Oh, absolutely. Um, that aren't necessarily human. <laughs> absolutely. And I think that, that K2's, you know, there isn't really an arc for the character, uh, which is, I, I guess, fine. You know, it's a droid. You can't expect too much from him. The most I can think of is maybe just he, him and Jin's relationship. They wound yes. up, you know, liking each other, respecting yes, each exactly. other. That's the biggest arc there is for him, right. it seems. But I think that he's a very effective character. Yes. And I think that with him being a reprogrammed Imperial droid, it gives another sense of sort of what the Rebellion has going for it like it doesn't necessarily have its own droids it has to steal a droid and reprogram it or like you know r2 and 3p are old droids we see them briefly in my least favorite scene in the movie um <laughs> yeah i know so i forgot about it again i saw no it I'm like, oh yeah I and i know about like they're this. in all the movies and, like <laughs> you can you could have panned past them you didn't need to and and or like there's a perfect shot they're on the ship that we see leia on at the and very get- end you could have just had them walk past in the hallway. They could have been standing there with her yes, exactly. silently. Yes, there is. Yeah, but having them have an interaction makes no sense. Correct. Secondly, favorite scene in the movie when the two guys from the Mos Eisley Cantina are on Jetta City. <laughs> they get off there miraculously before it's destroyed and get to Tatooine like a week later. Look at these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I agree. I get it. Yeah. I know why it's there. Um, Love the blue milk in the first scene, though. Yes, like that. That's same. a throwback. Mm-hmm. I am. I am absolutely okay with. I agree. The blue milk didn't talk. It just had a silent roll, so <laughs> exactly. I enjoyed that as well. Yes. It made sense. It's you know, sure they drink blue milk, whatever. Yeah. Um, blue milk available at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. By I the didn't way. see that, so. which I feel like I would not be able to drink just psychologically. I probably agree with you. I would have to have some of the alcoholic drinks they have first. Yes. Build up some courage and then have some blue milk. Exactly the same. Like in college, the time my roommate bought purple ketchup, the only time I could eat it was after. I had been drinking. Oh, that was go. it. So maybe it'll be the same with blue milk. Oh, purple ketchup. Yeah, that was gross. Young listeners, that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. There was green too, I think. There were two colors. Yes. Maybe purple and green. I want to say, and this is a tangent on a tangent, but I want to say something I knew was allergic to ketchup but could eat the purple one. Because like whatever they were allergic to was, was somewhat nullified by the purple dye or whatever. Red dye, so, something. So they bought like a ton of it and kept it, you know. <laughs> they kept them in business for a long exactly, time. Exactly, yes. Uh, <laughs> What were we talking about? Blue uh, milk. Yeah, yeah blue milk. There we go. Yeah, but just the, the, the cameo nature of everything. Yes. Ooh, how do you feel about the, I don't know if I should ask about this now, the Vader scene. You know what? We're going to take a break in a minute. Okay. We'll talk about Vader. Actually, we'll take a break right now. We'll okay. talk about Vader when we come back on the other side of this break. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back. So Vader. Um, first of all, I, Vader was rumored to be in the movie beforehand, so that wasn't a total surprise. But we, we, get, we get some pretty good Vader stuff in this movie. Yeah, which is surprising. Yes. Um... I still have a hard time, and I, no, you, go ahead. I still have a hard time with the jump that twenty years after Revenge of the Sith, this is what Vader has become. Like, I think that one of the big problems with the prequels is I don't think that they they didn't handle Vader's age very well. But like, it's weird to me that he goes from this like really 
um, like not even just like physical stuff, but like to me, James Earl Jones is 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 amazing as the voice of Vader, and everyone else did that voice. But I feel like the 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 style in which he speaks does not match the style of old Vader, same or the style of uh, Anakin, and so I, and it's not enough in the middle of the two to say like, well, this is how he talked before he got to here, but it's like a week before a new hope in some in some parts a day before a new hope so like i don't that's what threw me off is it just he's older i i don't know and i at first i thought it wasn't james earl jones because just sort of his speech pattern seemed slightly off yeah and yeah i don't know why i think it might just be he's old it could be. I did see him in a play a few years ago, James okay. Earl Jones, mm-hmm. and I uh, he seemed very old. And in my <laughs> head, I was like, "Oh gosh, who's going to do the voice of Vader?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's possible. He yeah, could just be old. Um. So I think that you know the way he talks is different. Um. But I think that in terms of Vader himself, this is the scariest he's ever been. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, as a kid, I was terrified of Darth Vader. But really, it was more for the threat of what Darth Vader could be. Mm-hmm. Like, the beginning of A New Hope, he picks that guy up and, like, throws him. And he force chokes some people in Empire. But we don't really see him as this, like, super dangerous, hyper-violent character until the last scene of Rogue One, where he is, oh. I mean... He's going for it. Yes, he is. And truly Force choking t- left and right. And throwing people mm-hmm. and just truly terrifying. I do love that scene. Me too. I've watched it multiple times just alone uh-huh. leading into A New Hope. You know, sometimes yeah. on, a, on a Thursday night sure. just, just watching not? that scene. <laughs> this is a very random comparison. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? I have. Okay. It, that Vader scene reminds me, and I don't want to spoil that movie, of the scene in... Uh, in the house at the end mm-hmm. when Brad Pitt starts just like un- unloading. Yep. Like, you know, I, I don't want to say much on that, mm-hmm. but the, the sort of the, just the like the abject over the top unrelenting violence of that scene. And it works for Vader's character there. Absolutely. It doesn't you know? seem, you know, over the top or ridiculous. No, it, it seems like it, that's one thing where I will say, I think it, it reflects on the prequels. Well, where, Anakin gets real dark at the end of the prequels. And you think when you're watching A New Hope, maybe he's mellowed a bit since then. But then you see this, you say, oh, no, there is no mellowing happening here. This is... uh, He's pissed. Yes, he is pissed off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's pissed off, I think, for a a couple of reasons. You know, one of the sort of underlying themes of... A lot of the sort of ancillary Star Wars material is how Vader is just the Emperor's lapdog. And how we have seen, like when I was a kid growing up, it didn't necessarily appear that way. But now looking back on it, I think it does. You, he doesn't really have that much to do. He's he's the he's the guard dog. Yeah, same. When I was a kid, I assumed Vader was the ultimate bad guy because he did sort of those bad things. Right. Um, yeah, but maybe more as an adult, it seems like he was sort of held under the wing of right. the Emperor, and here he's acting what seems to be on his own. Right. Yeah. And and you see that you know when he's left to his own devices, he gets stuff done, but he does it in horrifying ways. He does. You know? Well, you know, he's the villain. Yes. <laughs> Though, how do you feel about the "don't choke on your aspirations" line when he says that? I mean, Star Wars is is known for some of its cheesy humor. Yes, uh, I don't know if Vader is the one to typically deliver that humor. Um, but I do feel like it does make it seem like he is aware of how Krennic functions. Yes, and perhaps he knows what's going on with those you know people underneath him. But right. yeah, it does seem a little cheesy yeah. for Vader. It is, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll allow take it. it. Same, yeah, exactly. And it was interesting to see him in the Bacta tank initially. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of Vader stuff that has sort of been like hinted at over the years. Like, you know, you see Vader without his helmet on for briefly in Empire, but this is the first time we've seen him like really show like, oh, he was he was done fucked up at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and he needs to do this just like to keep himself alive or you know functional, whatever it is. We also see his castle mm-hmm. for the first time on Mustafar, which is where he became Vader, which is kind of a a weird thing. It's uh, I don't know if I want to go back to that planet necessarily, yeah, but you know, he's he's taking it back. He's he's taking back <laughs> Mustafar for himself and uh, putting his his castle there. Um, but I think that 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 Vader works 
well. I think Vader works better than CGI Grand Moff Tarkin. I agree. Uh, the CGI is impressive in parts. Like it looks unnatural sometimes, and other times it looks really good. It does, and a lot of the scenes Tarkin is in are dark, which I feel like helps yes, just the practical absolutely. nature of it. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like even the first time I saw it, I didn't really even realize it right away. Mm-hmm. It took me, you know, a little bit at least. Yeah, yeah, but it's a. Um, I understand why they needed to have Tarkin in the movie. I feel like they could have done it by having him like on a like a hol- having him as a hologram the whole mm. movie. How he's he's on a different ship and there's like communicating that way. That would have maybe lessened the CGI blow a little bit. But yeah, if there's one thing Star Wars films do, it's like shoot t- a little bit too hard special effects wise sometimes. Yes, um, and so. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how that ages as well as right. know, technology changes. Right, and I'll say most of Rogue One is not overly ambitious in terms of its special effects. No, yeah, and I like even the Death Star seems the same. The controls seem, you know, old-fashioned, same yeah. as mm-hmm. in A New Hope, but they don't seem hokey. They right. seem to fit. There's there's one shot, I guess it's um, right after the prologue scene where we see a Star Destroyer in space, and I think it's actually a model they used. It looked like it looked like the models they used in the original trilogy. And it didn't. When I say it looks like a model, I don't mean that it looks cheap. I mean it looks real. It does. And I appreciate. Same. I appreciate it looking real. Um, and I think that other than Tarkin, I think that when they blow up Jetta City, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. That's very well done. Even at the end, um, like all of that looks very good. Yeah, even like the shield, another shield generator or whatever it yep, is, uh-huh. the, the lock up there. Yeah, yeah, it looks real. I think all of that looks pretty good. But the Tarkin thing is, you know. Well, I guess we have to have one thing where. Yes. And and I'll say this. I think Tarkin looks better than Leia at the end. Yes. She's in a bright room. Yes, she <laughs> <don't> is. <laughs> and again, like I don't know if you need that scene. With Leia? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know either. I I feel when I saw it in the theater, everyone gasped. Of course. So you know, there's that. Yeah. Sentimentally, I like it. Sure. And there's that distinct connection with the next movie. Right. And even I, I remember first watching the movie and not uh, realizing it was going to lead up right into a new hope. It's right. literally at that moment. Yeah. Which I did enjoy. Have you seen somebody on YouTube stitch the two scenes together? It did like the last 10 minutes of Rogue One and the first 10 minutes of A New Hope. That's the one I keep watching over oh, and okay. over again. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes, I have. Yes. So, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure there's about an hour or so maybe in between there, but not probably too much more than that. No, right? not too much time, it seems. I mean, she's dressed in the same clothes that she's in that scene. Yeah. You know, Vader is hot on their tail. He probably just, you know, grabs a ship and goes after them. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it was shocking how, how close it tied up. And it feels ambitious to have done that, to have yes. tied it that closely to an existing beloved movie. Right, yeah. And it's it's also ambitious. I don't know if ambitious is the right word, actually. Maybe, maybe I'm looking for a different word. Maybe ballsy, as I'd say, <laughs> is to introduce an entire film of characters that you're going to just kill. Agreed, yes. Which is why at the end I was like, are they all going to die? Yeah, I was like, that's terrible, but it's also great. Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, that that is very much a war movie trope, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it it shows that the rebellion means more than just an idea. Like now, they're fighting for those people. You know, there's it, it gives it puts skin in the game. It does, yeah. A lot of good people died to get yeah. these plans, exactly, and these yeah. are those good people that yeah. we now got to know. Exactly, and I I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think that doing a Cassian Andor series on Disney Plus is fun. And, uh, you know, sure. I think of all the characters, his makes the most sense because he'd be doing these. He probably has six or seven Rogue One type stories where he has a mission. He goes and he does it. And then you can follow that for two, three hours without without it being like universe changing important. Right. True. Um, But. Is there a role for these characters if they didn't die? You mean moving forward? In like, some like, way? like, if you know, would there have been any more opportunity to tell you? Because really, the story ends with a new hope. If these characters were all that important, wouldn't we have seen them? 
well, yeah. throughout the original I, trilogy. They had to die. Yeah. They had to at the end of the movie. It makes the most sense. Yeah. But I think typically we're not used to that happening. And even in Star Wars movies, the sure. important, the main characters don't die. Right. Yeah. But that does happen here. Yeah. And I, they have to do it. They're not in the other movies. And if they were that critical, you would think they would pop up or they would mention be, them be by mentioned. name. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There are, there are a couple of things like that throughout the Star Wars trilogy where there are names mentioned that are then picked up in books and all that. So if they've never been mentioned before, it just seems a little bit silly. It does, yes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the Cassian series. Hopefully K2SO is part of that series. Even better. And I don't think anybody else would be. Um. Yeah, no, I don't think it, they all met at different, you know, during Rogue One. I don't think they yeah. would meet up. Uh, maybe you get like Mon Mothma again. Yeah, or, take you know, some more Mon Mothma. Yeah, so some of, the, some of those other uh, sort of ancillary uh, rebellion figures. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. What's also very cool about this film is that some of the footage in space is unused or reused a New Hope footage. Yeah, the X-Wing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Which is super cool. It is. And I feel like you can kind of pick up on it if you've seen yes, absolutely. a lot you of Star Wars. I know Gold Leader yeah. or whatever it is. You know, like, yeah. yeah, that seems familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is but, cool. And it works so well. Yeah, and I, I believe they also used, if I'm not mistaken, the original, um, the original actor... The original actors for the Death Star blowing up Alderaan, I believe uh, that footage is the same from A New Hope and uh, and from uh, Rogue One. Okay, I did not. So that's that. that's cool too. Yeah, it they is. can they can stitch that together a little bit. Um, yeah. hmm. So I have a couple of just sort of general questions. Unless you have more you want to talk about right now. No, I can't think of anything else in particular. Okay. Um, is this the only Star Wars movie without romance? Or is there implied romance between Cassian and Jin? I was thinking about that at the end when he um, shot Krennic and mm-hmm. um, saved her. I, no, I don't think there is romance between them. There's, I think a lot of people want there to be romance between them. I don't really get that vibe. No, though. me either. And I like that there's not. Me too. Yeah, and yeah. I feel I don't know why it always has to be that way. I, sure, I enjoy a good romance, right. but I like the fact that to me it doesn't seem like there is a romance between them. They're working together. They're working towards one goal. I, they form some sort of mutual respect, sure. particularly at the end. Yeah, I mean, he says, you know, your father would be proud of you. Like that's a, that's a really nice moment, but that doesn't have to be a romance. And, and when they're embracing each other, I know like, if it's me and I see the end of the world coming, if there's anyone next to me, yeah, I'm, I'm grabbing, grabbing them. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you, you know? don't want to be alone. Exactly, you <laughs> yeah. know. So. I understand. I understand that that moment. Um, Same. And I'm glad they didn't lean more into that. I agree. I think that would have really undone a big part of the uh, of the film. Yeah, I agree. Especially because Jin was really one of the only female characters, and I feel like sometimes then they get shoved into some sort of romance, but exactly. she didn't here. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good thing. Um, is this? I think it is. So I wonder if you agree. Is this a Star Wars movie that holds up best on future viewings versus the first viewing? Yes, I think so. When I, we ranked the movies, it was pretty high up there for me. Uh-huh. And I think over time, I've just come to like it more and more. You know, as a war movie, as a Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an idea of what we do when our backs are up against the wall, we're fighting for what we believe in. Yeah. Um, and the idea that, you know, Jin is sort of doing what she thinks her dad would want her to do mm-hmm. or what he told her she needs to do. And it's right. a way for her to still, you know, be close to him. Yeah. And I think, yeah, all those elements help it stand up and it 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 blends so seamlessly with the star wars universe in my mind like we talk about with a new hope yes you get some good vader yes and this feels like star wars it does there are some there are some scenes that i think maybe stretch that a little bit but not too much i mean it it helps that like jedda is very similar to tatooine in terms of geography um geology and uh general tone like it just it feels a lot like Tatooine so that helps it's a familiar setting the Death Star is a familiar setting it is we get some more um those walkers they're different ones they're like cargo ones you know Star Wars those are some of my favorites for some reason yeah yeah so it definitely feels like Star Wars to me even the names like you mentioned uh, the other time the Star Wars names (laughs) Galen Erso is definitely a Star Wars name um and like I said I think because you may not know the characters names the first couple times you watch it the more you watch it, the more you get to know them. And I think you can appreciate the nuance in their performance a little bit more because, you know, you, you come to expect there are certain like tropes in Star Wars. There are the Jedi's, there are the scoundrels or whatever. And these characters, some of them 
fall outside of that. And so it's once you're aware of who and what they are, you can have a much easier time to me, like enjoying the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our, our mutual friend Jackie Knight has once said that like her and her boyfriend have watched this like a hundred times on like a random night with nothing to do. They put on Rogue One in the background. So I like that, man. You know, yeah. Nice job, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I think I think it, it does definitely uh, benefit from repeat viewings. Um, there's a really cool slash funny slash I'm yawning excuse me yeah. <laughs> rough day yeah rough day it's, it's, it's 12.03 I'm already exhausted um, uh, p.m. not a.m. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, uh, yeah p.m. yes exactly this, it's noon time um, there's a, a really weird reference where so in one of the scenes I believe it's in um, is it in Saw's I think it's in like Saw's headquarters where there's all the different um, like his people with him they're playing a non hologram version of like the chess game that's on uh the millennium falcon they have like actual figurines that they're playing with there which is kind of cool and there's a holovid of someone dancing which is a direct reference to the Christmas, the holiday special. There's like a oh. there's like a ten minute dance on a holiday that is so pointless and terrible, but that's like thrown in there. I, I just I love stuff like that. I love little Easter eggs like that. Mm, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I like those Star Wars Easter eggs. Yeah. One of my favorites, just because of my love, also Indiana Jones, is mm-hmm. in the Solo movie when they have a little idol in the background and uh, what's his name's, you know. Yeah. Pleasure uh, barge or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Pleasure barge. I like that. <laughs> That's Java, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the best word I can think of now. <laughs> Makes total sense to me. Um the other cameo or Easter egg in this is Chopper from Rebels is seen twice on the Rebel base, which is uh, Chopper is a droid. Um he is, if not K2 might be sassier than Chopper, but it's a pretty tough Ooh. competition. Chopper is a sassy droid. Um, he shows up there and that's one of the things that I found was really enjoyable about this now that I am more steeped in the TV stuff I felt that this was a very this is very much a piece of the sort of overall Rebels Clone Wars you know this feels more like an adaptation of one of those stories to me than it does a piece of the overall Star Wars universe interesting which which I like yeah Um, and I felt like I enjoyed a lot of this because I I now have a better understanding of the context of sort of what the rebellion was looking like around this time. So I I really highly highly recommend. I mean, Rebels is great. I'm now I've now three quarters of the way through it. It's excellent. I highly recommend it to anyone listening and to you and me. Uh, when Disney Plus comes out, and you know, that's it'll, the time. It'll, it'll all be on there. Exactly, that's the time. But yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the connections with with rebels and uh, and the Clone Wars. Um, let's see what else. There, there's a lot in this that feels very sort of old school science fiction, old school adventure story. You know, all that stuff is is so much in, baked into the DNA of Star Wars to begin with. Um, but I, I do like the idea of these little side missions getting their own movies. And I feel bad that Solo tanked as bad as it did because I don't think we're going to get as many of these movies anymore. Yeah, I know. And that's a bummer. Um, this episode is coming out after the Solo episode. So our listeners have already heard about it. But what were your general Solo thoughts? Um, I I liked Solo, I guess, just because... I. I like most Star Wars. Yeah. I'm just looking for more Star yes. Wars. <laughs> Even if it's not my favorite. Right, yeah. I, I'm desperate in some way for some more Star Wars stories. Yeah. Um, I, I I liked it overall. At first, it's a movie I definitely, I've seen, I guess, four or five times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a movie I definitely liked more as I watched it okay. more. Um, at the first time I saw it, I was, you know, a little iffy, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. But I did like it more with repeated watchings. Um, I, there were also, I think, a lot of new characters, which perhaps I wasn't as into as I right. am the new characters in Rogue One. I was focused right. more on 
Han Solo because he's the character we know. And I think that that's one of the really smart decisions from The Force Awakens. We're jumping all over the place here, but <laughs> The Force Awakens, like the first half hour of that movie or 45 minutes of that movie, you don't see any of the old characters. It gives you time to develop attachment to the new characters before you're introduced to Han and Chewie again. Yeah. You know, yeah, I did. again. Yeah. Yeah, I like that we got the background of, you know, Han and Chewie meeting. Mm-hmm. That was enjoyable. But again, I was focused on them for most of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, watching Rogue One again, I really do like Rogue One. I, I don't remember exactly where I had it ranked in my in my Star Wars rankings, but I don't know if I would change that. I, it still is not to me. It's not. It's not top tier in terms of it's never going to be Empire or um, I love The Last Jedi almost as much mm-hmm. love Empire. But it's right below that top tier for me. It's probably in the top four or five. If I if I didn't rank it there then, I, I certainly would rank it there now. Yeah, I feel like I probably ranked it four, maybe um, did I rank it three? But yeah, I, I you know it would be in that area. Mm-hmm. There are definitely movies I like more that yeah. are more you know Star Wars to me. But yeah, this one's up there. Yeah, it is, and um, I'm I'm excited to see what the Cassian and Endor story Andor. Endor is the planet. Andor I, is the I guy. I keep doing that. I keep wanting to call it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Not the Ewoks. Yeah. Cassian Andor, <laughs> Andor. Uh, series. And I do hope that it's that it keeps some of the gritty underbelly of the Rebellion stuff going. Scrappiness. Yes. I like that. Yep. Uh, I wonder if if we're ever going to see a, a TV series that isn't more grounded like i feel like because of budgets and because of general um like attitudes towards television i feel like when you look at what characters marvel made tv shows about they're all very like street level grounded characters and i wonder if the same thing is here like the mandalorian we don't know too much about yet but it's it doesn't appear to be a lot of jedis and force stuff in that show so i wonder if that's going to be Sort of the focus of the TV shows is the more humans the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, that seems like that would make the most sense just based on, you know, you can't make a movie for a TV show ultimately. Right, yeah. And for budget reasons, mm-hmm. less. Although I'm, I'm sure it's still quite expensive. I imagine it is. Yes. I imagine everything Star Wars is expensive to make. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, any closing thoughts on Rogue One? Um, well... The only thing I guess I still wanted to mention was there were those extras I was watching after the oh, movie, yeah, yeah. and uh, they interviewed, obviously, some of the actors, mm-hmm. and uh, Felicity Jones had mentioned how she learned so much about Star Wars just filming this movie, right. and she even said, you could do a degree in Star Wars. There's that much out there. Oh, well, <laughs> we, should, we should pursue that. Yeah, then. I know. Maybe, maybe we already have one. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Does, does, does being a podcast host give you an honorary degree? Like, Perhaps. you know. Like celebrities that get honorary degrees to speak at graduations, are we? I could print one out for you for my printer if you want. We could do one for each other. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Yes, hanging on our walls. Yes. Um, all right. Well, um, I guess let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Okay. So, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And remember, the force will be with you always.